it's amazing for me to have all this knowledge and to learn all this knowledge, but if I don't share it, what's the point kind of a thing? It's almost a responsibility, I feel like, for me to share it because it's only going to make everybody else better. What's happening? What's good, though? It's your boy. Hi, Drift. How are you doing today? I'm doing great on this happy freaking Friday. Oh, yeah. Today, we have an amazing interview with Laura Meyer. She is an amazing pizza maker. Tony's partner in crime. And she just has so much to offer her knowledge, her experience. She's been in the pizza game for, oh my goodness, over 10 years. And she's just been persistent with it. She doesn't own a business, but she has knowledge that other people would never come upon themselves because of the experience, because of the fire she's put out, because of everything that she has done in the last 10 years. And really, we get to understand her type of her thinking, her approach to pizza, and Honestly, I am so impressed with what she's been able to accomplish, and I look forward to what she's going to continue to accomplish in the future. This is a great episode, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember to always ask, what's good, Doe? All right, hold up. Just a quick reminder, please add me on Instagram at what's good, Doe. We're trying to get this episode, this podcast, this show to as many pizza lovers, aspiring pizza business owners as possible. We want to help the world out there. Kind of what Laura does. You know, she teaches. And that's why I like her so much because she is an educator, something I always wanted to be growing up. And so this is my way of sharing the folks that I get to talk to and learn from all the time. So I'm sharing it with y'all. Hopefully y'all like it. So add me on Instagram. Leave me a comment. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. Give me a rating on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate y'all who have already shown love to the show, and I'm going to keep doing it for y'all, so thank you. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. First question, what's good, Doe? What's not good, Doe? <laughs> That's, I mean, what are we, are we talking grand scheme, talking Doe? What, what are we talking about? No right or wrong answer. It's whatever your heart feels like putting out there. Honestly, my right now, it's just say yes to everything. <laughs> That's kind of the big thing that I've been doing right now is we're in the, the way of the world right now is so uncertain that you never know what's around the corner. So say yes to everything. And that, I mean, that goes for dough making and that goes for everything. Just do it. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> Try it again, but just do it. <laughs> Just do it. Nice. Live your life um, because you never know what's going to happen and, and just enjoy the process. Yeah. I've really taken to heart this forced slowdown. Um, it's It's been nice. Out of all the bad things that have happened this year, I, I love the one one great thing is all of the podcasts and virtual classes and just people are so much more into it because they have the time and I'm, I'm all about it. I'm 
I'm learning just as much as everybody else is as we go along. So I just, you get nerdy with it and it's fun. <laughs> I love getting nerdy about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about it. People look at me like I'm weird, but it's cool. I'm laughing. <laughs> One thing that really stood out to me uh, was someone told you you're still doing pizza after all these years. And I bet you get nerdy about it. And you're like, I love, it's just, I can tell you love it. Yeah. It's cause I started when I was just in high school or just out of like, I was a senior, I think at the time. And so all the friends that I have, or at least the kids that I grew up with and, you know, they've all gone on to these corporate world jobs, or let's just say, kind of the structured jobs that we were all taught we were supposed to have. Cause I went to a college prep high school, you know, we were very much on a path from day one as to you finish here, you go to a four-year college, you get an office job or whatever it is. And that, or you become somebody. Uh, <laughs> and that was always like the path we were always put on and me and my siblings, I don't think we were ever on that path to begin with where, you know, we just, that's not how we grew up. That's not how my parents kind of taught us. So when I found something that I liked and I loved to do, um, I stuck with it and never did I ever in my wildest dreams, ever think that I would be here <laughs> as the 16, 17 year old when I started, but it's kind of fun now to, to talk to people and they make that statement to me of like, Oh, you're still making pizza. And I'm like, you have no clue. You have no idea what my life is like. And yeah, I still make pizza, but I make just as much money as you do, if not more. And I enjoy my job a hell of a lot more than you do. <laughs> so I'm way better off. I'm totally okay with where my life is going. <laughs> it's like the fact that you stuck with it and really it evolved alongside of you. It, it was like, you're, you know, it grew with you and you grew with it and it just became yeah. a whole, it, you took pizza to a whole nother level. It really only in the last, believe it or not, only in the last, I would say two to three years, have I really felt like, okay, I think I know how to really do this now. Um, <laughs> I, because the first 10 years and I make, I make it sound like I'm, some Yoda, but for the first 10 years, I was really just enjoying the job. I was really enjoying the camaraderie, the family, the restaurant atmosphere and the people, you know, I was in my twenties and I was living in San Francisco, you know, I was away from home and I was really enjoying that kind of life, really learning what it was like to be on my own and in that atmosphere of having a full-time job and going out after work and really just loving the job. And then it really only has been in the last few years have I kind of settled in and realized like, okay, I love this job, but there's so much more to it and really kind of appreciated the science and have really learned to love the little nuances and the science. And I read these books. I read a succession of books like back to back or in tandem. And one kind of alludes to something else that I pick up in another. And it's just like, it all intertwines. And then oh, this is super nerdy, but <laughs> I just started um, picking up weightlifting again. And 
I was super duper sore. I'm sore all the time actually, but I was thinking about, well, lactic acid in your muscles. And I'm like, but wait, there's lactic acid in fermentation. And then I started nerding out on kind of the similarities between the two in terms of building muscle in human form and building protein slash muscle in dough form. And it was just one of these like, whoa moments. And, (laughs) and I had to, because a light bulb went off and then I had to call, I obviously had to call people because I needed to know if I was right. Or if I was just making this all up in my own head. And it was just so cool to be able to like nerd out on that kind of stuff with other people who also appreciate it. And I really do love it. You found, did you find a conclusion or anything? Um, well, it gets super duper specific, obviously I'm not a doctor by any means. So I don't know the super, super minute details in terms of muscle building, but in when you look at it on the broad sense of fermentation and muscle building, I mean, with muscles, you pretty much you rip or tear down muscle fibers in the absence of oxygen, which is the all that. And then the lactic acid is kind of a byproduct of that work. And then the muscle fibers refuse together to build longer and stronger forms, which, which is you building muscle. And then in terms of fermentation, it's kind of along that sense in a very basic idea in the sense of building proteins, breaking strands with the enzyme um, reactions so that they refuse together to build longer and stronger, which is that gluten development and the protein strands. And then also in the absence of oxygen where the lactic acid is produced to build the flavor and so to build something stronger. And so it's kind of like this, it was just this cool moment of nature has found a way to kind of duplicate itself in another form in like two very different organisms. And it's just, it's cool to see that kind of duplicity in nature. And it's something that happens whether we know it's happening or not. And it's just, it's, it's so cool to me because now it's not just food, it's food for the mind and the body. And it's just, it's, it's just as broadened it out so far for me. Cause as a kid, you couldn't, get me to study science (laughs) by any means. I hated it. And now I'm like shoveling it in as fast as I can because it makes things connect. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's really cool. And I get really excited about it now. It's funny how much more knowledge, how many more books, how many more things we can study or consume when it actually means something to us or when we're actually like into the subject. It's very true. And even with the, I just found out one of the new employees that we hired, he's 20 years old and it's nice to see kind of a young, fresh face and you know, they start, it's new to not be the youngest one in the room anymore. (laughs) So it's kind of nice to be the older person, the the wiser person now. But, you know, I always tell people like, don't go to college if you're not ready for it, because I did. And I'm sure glad I did. I'm very glad I went and I have the degree that I do. And I learned a lot of skills in terms of reading, writing, complex thought, analytical thinking, you know, those types of things. 
that I probably would have taken, it would have taken me longer to learn if I hadn't. But at the same time, I appreciate learning so much more now. And I have so much more of a passion and drive for a specific subject than I did when I was 18 and I had no clue what I was doing. So I, it's just one of those things where I say, hold off, <laughs> you'll figure it out, but you know, you have time. <laughs> I wasted a lot of time and money, unfortunately, going to college and not applying it. And it's like, that's such great advice. And hopefully that person listens to you uh, with your experience and your wisdom and, you know, and, and, <laughs> and you save them some time because a lot of people just don't know what they want to do, but when they find it and they're as excited as you are about pizza and they apply themselves like that, they're going to be much better off, I think. Yeah, I was very lucky in the sense of I, when I was first going to college and I was really trying to decide what I wanted to do, I was learning to separate out what I liked and what I didn't like. And the things that I like are always centered around people and kind of what makes people tick and food and language has always been one of the main driving factors of like what makes people tick. And so I started learning Italian in, in high school because I didn't want to take Spanish and <laughs> I followed it through into college and then I studied abroad and it just, it was one of those, I didn't do it intentionally, but all of the things kind of came together as an adult and into my professional career and it all kind of clicked. And I didn't know that I was doing it at the time, but I really just went for what are the things that I liked and I've figured out how to put them all together into a career. <laughs> That's a great way to kind of like build your roadmap of how you want to live your life. Like, what do I like and how do I make it into what I do every day and maybe make a, a you know, healthy salary, a decent living off it, some sort of fulfillment. I mean, everybody has to have a, everybody wants to have a roof under their, over their heads, right. And be able to feed themselves. Of course. So as, as long as you have enough, but you're like really enjoying what you do it can it can multiply into something as amazing of a story as yours you know going to italy um <laughs> applying the languages that you've learned yeah i definitely feel like i'm one of the lucky ones in the sense of i've learned to apply the things that i like and the things and weed out the things that i don't like and especially because i'm i'm not an owner yet i'm not i don't have that responsibility yet of everybody else that I employ and all of the financial um, requirements that come with it and all of those things. So in being in having stuck with my job and working with Tony and wanting to move up the ladder and learn everything I can, but at the same time, kind of learning to be patient and learning to bide my time and learn what I can, but, and also partner with those. And it's, it's only benefited me more. I feel like in all of these types of interviews I do, or just talking to people in general, the one main thing that I always tell people is patience and listening are really the biggest things that my biggest takeaways that I've, I feel like have gotten me to the level that I have because I've learned to be quiet for one 
and listen to those who are smarter than me. <laughs> and then to be patient. Like I don't, I'm not in a rush to go open a restaurant when I have no idea what I'm doing. Just because I've, I've learned just because I can make a great pizza doesn't mean I'm going to be a great business owner. So I've learned to kind of slow down, learn what I can, you know, and, and be as beneficial to anybody else around me at the same time, but be patient and I, and it will happen. <laughs> so you're playing the long game and you kind of cut out earlier when you said, I'm not an owner yet. Is that, is that what you said? Yeah, I'm not an owner yet. And who knows what the future will hold. I'm very happy with where I am right now. I mean, my, my relationship and partnership with Tony, um, the camaraderie we have is, is something that you don't find very often and being able to work together professionally, but then also personally, our personalities click, you know, we don't fight. We're not at each other's throats. You know, we, it's not a conflict for us to work together. And so, and for the longest time, as he's learned, I've learned and vice versa and being able to kind of bounce ideas off of each other. And, you know, usually he's the one that has these crazy ideas and I'm always willing to go along for the ride. <laughs> you know, I've learned to say yes and not to say no and yeah, to be hesitant, you know, and question, but at the same time, just jump right in. And so I might not be an owner yet, you know, who knows what the future will hold, but for now I am, I'm happy with what I'm doing. <laughs> and he's allowed me the room to grow on my own as well. So it's never been an issue. Yeah. I mean, no doubt you've been with the organization and with Tony for so long and, and seeing your role evolve and just soaking up all that knowledge. I mean, I know you can't predict the future, but just out of general curiosity, is it something you think you'd want? Or are you like thinking, you know, let's let's ride this A plus partnership like no one's ever seen before? <laughs> um, I think in the long game, I think there might be something for me um, in terms of ownership. I'm not exactly sure what that might be, mostly because I'm starting to see in myself and kind of learn about myself in that I would also like to be that person to give back to a community, to the community that I grew up in, or just the community that I choose to live in or whatever the case may be. And, you know, to, to teach people a skill and to see them grow and take it and run with it. I mean, that's, one of the reasons why I love the school and the teaching aspect of my job, because it's amazing for me to have all this knowledge and to learn all this knowledge. But if I don't share it, I feel like, well, what's the point kind of a thing. It's, you know, it's, it's almost a responsibility. I feel like for me to share it because it's only going to make everybody else better. And I feel like that's kind of where the industry in general has gone is starting to go instead of, you know, not as many people are of the mind of it's all a secret and it's a family secret and no, I won't share it. You know, I feel like the knowledge is now out there. The science is now out there. And, you know, if I've learned a few techniques to make it easier or something to make it better, you know, why not share it? Because, 
you know, let's be honest at the end of the day, if I make a cheese pizza and you make a cheese pizza, they're not going to be the same, no matter what, even if we have the same recipe, because everyone's hands and situations are different. So I've kind of learned to adopt the idea that it's okay <laughs> to share the secrets because no one will make a pizza like I make a pizza. Yeah. I can give you the entire recipe, but the humidity in your house is going to be completely different. The temperature. Oh my God. Everything. And yeah, everything. I moved into a new apartment right before we went in lockdown in March and it retains whatever temperature almost too well. So in the summer, my apartment was 95 degrees till like 4 AM because it just holds it. And then now that it's cold, it just holds the cold. And so it, in terms of making dough and stuff, I've been doing it all in my house and it's been great because I've been kind of learning all these new things, but learning how to adapt to the fact that it's 95 degrees and I have zero control over that <laughs> and it's not going to change is it's been eye opening because no matter how much I learn from a book, it really is nothing to the practical side. I, it really has no determination on whether or not I can make a great pizza. <laughs> so I, I love what you just said, because yeah, you're right. You can read the theory and the concepts, but until you get your hands in there and, and you, you know, do the experiments yourself, you're never going to really fully understand the concept. What now that it's very cold, you know, in my house, I'm freezing. Yeah. I have a jacket. <clears throat> what is like the first thing you would do? to just change your recipe once it's super cold? Well, it's funny because I was just talking to somebody about these types of things, but it's the temperature in my mind is one of those things that it's a must control factor. It's everything else can go out the window, but the temperature is, it's going to affect everything. And so when it's too cold for me, um, I'll use anything I can to help warm up the process, be it using warm water to activate yeast, warm water in my dough recipe. Um, just anything like that will, will help. Um, unfortunately, like I would love to just always have my oven on to heat up the place, but then again, my PG and E bill would be <laughs> ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but just little things like that, even just moving your dough out of the kitchen. Cause for instance, you know, I, the warmest part, the warmest part of my house is not necessarily the kitchen because if I don't have my oven on at home, if I don't have, you know, whatever on, then it's not going to be warm. But if I'm sitting on the couch and I have the space heater on or the heater on in general, that means that that room is warmer. So I tend to migrate with my dough because <laughs> um, it's in a container at that point or on a sheet pan. So I'll tend to move it around with me from room to room just because I'm constantly trying to look for a warmer spot or a cooler spot or whatever it may be. So I'm not restricted just to my kitchen. Granted, that means I end up having to vacuum a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but that is one of the things. And then in the summertime, in the reverse, it's using a refrigerator, using cold fermentation methods, using ice, um, 
learning to refrigerate your starter a little bit before using it, if you're using it. Um, and then also knowing that your dough and yeast is a living thing so that even after your mixing, your dough is going to continue heating up. It's going to emit heat because it's a living growing thing. And so understanding that, okay, I can't just throw it into the refrigerator right away in a closed environment, be it a container or on a dough box or whatever, is that, you know, to let it kind of breathe a little bit before it goes into that container to let the heat escape so that it doesn't blow up on me. You know, those types of little things, you know, you wonder when you take the, the top off of a container, why there's condensation, you know, why is it wet on the inside of the container? It was dry when I used it, you know, and kind of asking the questions and learning why, and then learn, and then for the next time applying, applying the answer. But Laura, I I need good pizza tomorrow. That takes too long. (laughs) This is why making amazing A1 style pizza takes time. And it kind of goes back to what you're saying is having that patience right? Experimenting, asking the questions. You can't just expect to have really good pizza tomorrow. Uh, you got to put in the work and you got to understand and, and you got to try all these different things to get the product that you want. Yeah. And it's so hard because cookbooks, they're all amazing and they all have their great tips and, and things of that nature. But people always forget that when we write cookbooks and we write recipes that the recipes are going to try and give you as much information for that situation. But then as soon as your parameters change, it kind of throws everything out of whack, especially when it comes to, to dough, um, be it bread or pizza or anything like that. I mean, it's really hard to write a cookbook that will give you all of the answers because anytime you change one thing, everything else changes with it. So if we were to write the best cookbook ever, it would probably be a million pages (laughs) because it has to, you know, situation a is going to change. And then now you end up with 10 more pages of what ifs and whys. So I give kudos to everyone who's ever written a cookbook because it's trying to simplify it enough for someone who's willing to give it a go. Um, But at the same time, it's just, it's difficult. <laughs> you've, you've been part of a cookbook, right? Is that right? Um, I've helped, like I was, I was there with Tony when he wrote his cookbook. Um, I didn't necessarily change his recipes, but I did help him with like the production side and, and, you know, putting the pictures and building all the food and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it was, it was an eye opening experience to watch him write it and then see what goes into putting it all together. Cause it's a lot of work. Any <laughs> key takeaways, any, um, you know, big lessons that you learned through that? The one, the one thing that I always have taken away from it was actually the photography <laughs> because, you know, we all talk about social media now and the impact of social media on anybody, young people to older people and kind of like, the how fake it can be because of the settings and stuff like that and it's one thing that I always have to remind myself with food photography as well is that 
they are trying to present you with an image of the real thing. But in fact, that image is created based off of everything that's wrong about it. <laughs> or, um, just like how photos of ice cream and beer are usually made out of soap and water and just all these random things, but the final image is, so it's just kind of a, a reminder of, you know, you're striving for something, but how you get there will always be different. Going back to the, to the tweaking of the recipes, is that something you, you kind of warn people at when they go to your school? Um, because they're learning it in, in San Francisco and you're, you're the head instructor, you're the head instructor. Is that right? Yeah. Um, Tony's the master instructor and then kind of, I work alongside him and kind of, we work in tandem. Got it. Um, and people come from, you know, all across the world to, to go to your school and it's obviously going to be different here in San Francisco. Um, is this, is this something you warn them and teach them about as well? Yeah, it's always a little difficult at first because most students, they're really nervous. I mean, you're investing a lot of time and money into a restaurant or a concept that will hopefully make you happy, but also earn you enough to survive on. So it's, it's pretty scary at first. And it's trying to reassure someone that like, we will figure this out and you will learn it and, you know, to not be too afraid of it and to kind of just like, just absorb it, um, is a little hard at first, especially because they, everyone comes in, at least most people come in and they want the golden recipe. They want you to tell them exactly what they need, um, from dough making to sauce, to cheese, to just to everything. They want an exact playbook that they can then take home with them and they can just duplicate and everything's going to be great. Um, and we kind of have to remind people that unfortunately that doesn't exist. Um, you know, we, yes, we are going to teach you recipes and we are going to teach you the science, but the objective is to learn how to take these recipes and take the science that you've learned so that when you go home, you can either try and recreate what we've done here or manipulate it for what you're looking for. And that's always kind of really daunting for a lot of people because if you've not ever worked with dough before, it's, it's hard, <laughs> um, working with something sticky and it's very frustrating because it doesn't do what you want it to do. Um, so trying to teach people in the beginning is, is a little difficult because it's mostly just the nervousness. Um, and that golden recipe idea and then teaching them. So we will teach you a certain recipe with the San Francisco factors, but then we will also teach you, okay, if you live in the Midwest or let's say you live in a very extreme seasonal environment, you know, how to manipulate in the summertime and in the wintertime and, or let's say you have all the funding in the world, um, how to build a, perfectly controlled temperature controlled dough room with a, um, a water filtration machine and, you know, all of these amazing things that now exist out, out there. Um, so we'll kind of teach you both ways. I mean, in San Francisco, we are very much a no frills environment. We 
are subject to really old buildings. So we are, aren't allowed to do any structural changes. So whatever is there is there. Um, you know, we don't have air conditioning and it wasn't really a big thing in the past because it was really temperate all of the time. But now with how the environment has changed a lot, we've noticed that our summers are more extreme now, at least for San Francisco standards. So we now have to manipulate our dough production in the summertime because of the heat and um, not necessarily humidity, but definitely the heat. And so, and then vice versa in the winter. And so we've had to learn how to teach with that um, as well as tight spaces, not a lot of equipment, you know, how to work with all those kinds of things, how to manipulate a, um, just a dough schedule rotation schedule, all those kinds of things and what you can do. So we definitely throw our students into a no frills environment. Like you're going to learn <laughs> even with the problems, <laughs> but you will learn. <laughs> Very cool. This is like something I've really been interested in, in learning more about just because I wanted to know who is the ideal candidate for your classes. Honestly, it's everyone. We don't have any requirements in regards to who is allowed to attend. Um, and that goes for the professional course or the home, what we consider a home chef course. Um, honestly, it really just is about kind of what your objective is. Um, you're put into a class with multiple people, um, all with varying ideas of what they're looking for, but as well as with varying skill levels. So there's a lot of pros and pros and cons to, to doing that. Um, like I said, we teach in a real world environment. So if your objective is to see how this is going to apply back home, then you're never going to find a better place because we put you in a full functioning restaurant. Part of the class is you actually work the line in the restaurant during service. <laughs> so all those tickets spitting out of the printer are made by students. Um, granted, you know, for the first day or two, you pretty much are tag teaming with someone that works in the restaurant. So, you know, we're going to guide you. Of course, if you burn it, we're not going to serve it. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you learn what it's like to have to do this in a real world environment where you have a time clock because people are waiting for their food. Um, let's say someone didn't show up for work and now you have to do two different things, or let's say now the bathroom's overflowing and now you have to figure out how to do it all. And, you know, like we show everyone the flaws. We, we don't expect a, um, a perfect environment because no restaurant is, um, and so with that, we don't expect anyone to have a ton of skill. We actually kind of prefer it because then it means that you don't have any bad habits that we have to break. It's easier to learn new ones than it is to break old ones and form new ones. <laughs> so it's always kind of nice um, for newer people just because they have no idea of what to expect. Um, whereas those who come in with a ton of experience, they bring something more to the table in regards to their experience that is different than my own. So, you know, just because I might be the teacher doesn't mean that we don't all speak as a group. You know, we all feed off of each other's experience levels and, you know, 
if someone on the other side of the world can't get the product that I get, then, well, what is available to you and how, do, you know, and how does it differ? You know, so we all kind of learn. And so we all, I always tell students, same thing with Tony is, you know, yes, ask me questions, but also ask the other people in your class questions because they're all going to have different experiences and ideas that Tony and I might not have. Interesting. It's like a real community learning kind of thing, learning from your peers and then learning the the actual line too. That's that's dope. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's nerve wracking at first, not just for the student, but also for us. I'm not going to lie, but to see where they, how they, where they start on day one to see where they finish at the end of day five is you can not only see the confidence level grow, but the skill set, the comfortability, um, you know, the, the nervousness that they might've had on day one or, you know, cause everyone's unsure of, you know, am I going to break the dough? Am I going to tear it? Am I going to ruin it? And then on the next, on, by day five, they're throwing it around like it was nothing. And so it's, it's nice to see the evolution. Yeah. What about the, the home pizza makers course? Like, do you still get to go on the line there? And I guess, well, that one, we actually, um, that one is primarily when the restaurant is closed, just because we tend to have a few more people in that class and that way they can kind of get experience on everything. Um, it's a little bit harder with the home chef, just because not everyone has the same equipment. You know, some people are fortunate enough to have a wood burning oven. Some people are only, only have their regular um, gas oven. So we try and kind of ask everyone at the, in the beginning, okay, what do you have? What are you looking to learn? Um, any experience level, you know, any experience that you do have, but at the end of the day, we are trying to teach them how to do it at home. You know, we, we do want them to be able to make dough at home, whether it's in a mixer or not, um, and be able to make a great pizza. So whether you have a wood burning oven or a gas, it makes no difference. Um, we're going to teach you kind of at all. Um, the one great thing that Tony's always done that he's taught me is we have no secrets, you know, the, we'll give you everything. We'll give you, we'll pretty much teach you everything. So, you know, ask away and we'll tell you, you want to, we'll tell you pretty much how to recreate everything we do in the restaurant. It's not, there's no secret. And so I'm definitely a believer of that. I will, I may, I might make you work for it a little bit in the sense that I'm not just going to like give you the answer. I'm going to make you try and figure it out. Um, but for the most part, I will give you the answer. (laughs) (laughs) It, it sticks, uh, it sticks in your brain more if you have to work for it at first, right? If you're like applying yourself and then you give me the answer, then I'll never forget it. (laughs) Well, I want people to, to be able to think for themselves. And that's kind of the big thing that I've always wanted others to learn is that like, yes, I can give you exactly how much oregano to put in a sauce recipe, but part of learning is, especially with food is the trial and error and learning what you like and what you don't like, because what I do and what you do will never be the same. So it's one of those things where like, yes, I will give you a sauce recipe, but part of it is learning what do the spices do? What do the different types of tomatoes do? And then being able to build it from there. 
And so like at the end of the day, I will give you a sauce recipe, but I am also going to make you think about it first before <laughs> I give it to you. <laughs> That's I'm, I'm laughing because like, imagine if you gave someone a sauce recipe, right? And they just like, didn't like it, but they just kept using it because they didn't want to think for themselves and they didn't want to adapt. Yeah. Taste. Yeah. And knowing that, you know, you, tomatoes are pretty cheap considering all the other things that we put on a pizza and, you know, the whole idea of you don't have to add water, you know, to, to a recipe, or you don't have to add sugar Hmm. is a big one. You shouldn't have to have sugar if you're using quality ingredients, especially for something that is sense when we're talking about the grand scheme of how much it costs to make a pizza. I mean, why should I have to put an additive in it or dilute it to spread it? Um, so it's using the quality and then also using, you know, knowing what a paste is or a puree. And then um, it's always really hard because what we can get in restaurants versus what you can get at home is going to be, there's a big difference there in terms of quality and care in terms of production. And so my, one big thing that I always tell home chefs is make friends with your local pizzeria because they will in turn hopefully sell you the quality ingredients that they can get which will then just make your pizza at home that much better i mean i would rather buy ingredient buy tomatoes from my local pizzeria than buy tomatoes that are on my grocery store shelf for sure. Shout out to my per, my first podcast guest. He supplied me with some grande cheese for the first time. I just had to try it on my pizza because everyone was talking about it. And yeah, yeah it's a game changer. I love the taste. It's delicious. Yeah. And there's just so many things that they can get that restaurants can get that the average consumer can't. And it's just it's just fun to play. And most pizza people, they just want to feed you honestly. So, and if you talk about food and ask about food, they'll most likely just give it to you because they just think it's cool for one that you're asking them. And then two, because they, they, we just, we like making friends. Usually most people are very chatty they're <laughs> and they're very quick to be friends. It's like, Hey, you like pizza. I like pizza. Let's be friends. Very cool. I, I know you do, um, a lot of the, the teaching too, but what, what else, you know, can you walk me through like what a, uh, a day in your shoes is like? Um, well, these days it's a lot more simple, (laughs) which is kind of nice. Um, well, because of the holidays, but also just, I've been wanting to, is I've been really tweaking a focaccia recipe. So just looking to do something different. I've learned in the last, um, I would say probably a couple of months, um, to respect kind of low and slow in terms of fermentation. So, really, really reducing the amount of yeast, but really, really extending my fermentation time. And then also using a direct method. So no starter, um, and really kind of applying a few bread techniques into, um, my final product. And so I've been really kind of tweaking that and then blending flowers. So lately it's been, um, I get up and I am either making dough or balling dough or pulling it out of the refrigerator or something in regards to dough. I make my coffee. (laughs) Um, and then I'll, 
probably answer some emails and do a few of those kind of logistical things. And then I go to work um, and work consists of, I actually work the line still. Um, so I have my own prep that I do. I have to prep for certain, um, certain pizzas for the restaurant. Um, and then also certain other lines. And then I work service and I'll work the entire service. I'm, I don't like dip out a few hours before close and make everyone else do it. I actually stay till the end. I clean, <laughs> I clean my own line <laughs> still to this day. I clean my own line. Um, yeah. And then when I come home, because unfortunately, because of lockdown, I'm not really able to go out really much anymore because everything closes when the restaurant closes. So, but before that I would probably go get a drink with some friends or, um, finish up at the restaurant. And then depending on what I'm doing, I either come home and make dough <laughs> or I come home and I relax and then I kind of do it all again. Lately, I now add working out in there because I have a little bit more time. So, and that's always fun. My trainer is actually an ex baker. I didn't plan that. I swear, <laughs> but now it's fun because now I go and I work out and she kicks my ass. But at the same time, we, we talk about dough and it's just another place I get to talk about dough. <laughs> Such a cool combination. Yeah. And so that's kind of my day in a nutshell. Very cool. Very cool. And so I, I wanted to learn more about, you know, like what your responsibilities as, uh, is as the, the corporate chef for the pizza rock in, in general, is that like the operation? Is that the, the conglomerate? Like, what is that exactly? Um, so I, uh, am technically no longer the corporate head chef. I've kind of moved away from that position. Um, and especially because of all of the things going on right now, it's just not possible. Um, so there's someone else kind of in that role and I've kind of stepped back and, um, I'm now focusing on one location. Um, but for the most part, as when I was doing that role, my, my main objective was to kind of get everyone on the same page, which was, is really difficult <laughs> when you have multiple locations, but, multiple locations in different states. So, I mean, the main thing that we're all looking for is consistency in our products and it's really hard to do. And so that was one of my main objectives was to try and get consistency across the board, but also make sure that every location is self-sufficient so that they have the right amount of knowledge to make sure that they can be consistent every day. Um, so it was a lot of breaking bad habits <laughs> and teaching new ones. A lot of it's, it's also just hard because my role, especially with, with my kind of belief in food and whatnot is that you need to teach your staff a certain amount of specific knowledge to make sure that they can execute. And, you know, I don't really believe in having robots as cooks, you know, I need them to be able to think for themselves and to, and to be able to, to execute, um, but also be proud of the food that they put out. So it was a lot of kind of slowing people down and not just pushing food out because 
you have tickets spitting out of a printer and because you have a general manager hovering over you or whatever the case may be. But it was really teaching people how to kind of slow down and really look at the food and pay attention to the circumstances around you, be it the temperatures or, um, you know, let's say I'm getting down to my last two trays of dough. I need to pull more out of the refrigerator, um, before I get down to my last one so that I'm not working with cold dough, you know, learning how to kind of be self-sufficient and then also see the details. And so that was really my main objective was to get everyone on the same page, make sure for one that everyone's abiding by the recipes. Yes. But making sure that everyone can be consistent and self-sufficient. But then beyond that, I was also working with the front of the house. So working with the GMs, working with the servers and the bartenders and making sure that yes, that they were abiding by um, the, the procedures and rules that we all have in place in terms of hitting labor costs, hitting food costs, all those kinds of things, but also working with the front of the house on their verbiage. You know, how do you explain the menu to people? How do you explain this large menu to someone in less than a minute? You know, how do you, you know, making sure that they have the right understanding of not just the food, but also kind of who we are as a brand, because no one knows better. No one knows Tony better than I do outside of his own family. (laughs) I would like to think at least. So, you know, there's no one better in my mind, or at least I would like to think so, um, that can really explain the brand and who we are and what we believe. Um, and also make other people believe in our brand. You know, it's not just sell the food because it's your job, but sell the food because you believe in it and you know, it's a great product. And so I had kind of a very multifaceted job. Um, and then even though I'm only at one location now, I still have all of those duties. It's just kind of pared down a little bit. Um, obviously I only have to deal with one staff now instead of multiple. Um, so it's kind of nice because I can focus in on specific people, their mindsets. I get to learn, um, people's personalities more and kind of work with them. You know, I work with one crew side by side, so it's kind of great. Yeah. What did you, where did you learn all of that? Like, did you have to go through training for that? Cause I mean, like everything that you've mentioned just right now and throughout this podcast, it's just like, you've accumulated this knowledge and it's just, it's, it's kind of priming you to just, you know, be an owner. Not that I'm saying you have to go and do that, but like this, all that stuff that you're doing, that is like literally you running the business. (laughs) how, How did you, how did you get all of that? Um, really just watching, really it's watching, um, when I first started at Tony's in San Francisco, I was 21, I think I was 21 and he kind of just threw me in there and was like, okay, you're the kitchen manager. Bye. I was like, oh, okay. Um, and so I had to kind of learn how to work with people who were older than me, um, who've been working in structured restaurants a lot longer than I had. And also every single one of them came from a different background, came from a different country, spoke a different dialect. Um, And that goes for the front and the back. And so it was one of those things where I was kind of thrown into this melting pot of everything. And I had to learn how to manage. Um, 
not just the flow of the restaurant, but also learn how to manage people, you know, and how to get them to do things that they probably don't really want to do like clean. Um, and it was a really big learning lesson. Um, I've, of course I've had my own problems and I've made some wrong decisions, but I've always learned from it. And I've always learned to really listen to people and watch people. Um, one of the things that I've learned most is to just watch for people's mannerisms. You know, everyone has certain habits that they do every day. You know, you come in, you know, what's the first thing people do, you know? And so it's in learning that, okay, it's maybe my one thing I can do is I can get there and do it for you so that when you get there, it's one less thing you have to do. And so it's learning all those kinds of things and, and being very, organized, but at the same time, very easygoing. I'm, um, I'm a very easygoing person and I try to maintain that even when I'm frustrated. Um, I try not to let things get to me too much. And in a kitchen, you kind of just have to be that way. I'm not a screamer. I don't yell at my, I don't yell at employees. Um, I don't think it gets the job done long-term. Um, so it was just one of those things where I've just had to learn from those around me. Um, I've listened to pretty much everyone that's older than I am and has more experience and just learn to apply it. It's, um, I don't know. I think it's part of my personality. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I've kind of had to learn how to apply. Um, I've always been told that I act older than I am. So I think it's worked to my advantage. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you are, I, I just, you know, I, I look up to everything that you've been able to accomplish. And I think it's um, a lot of it has to do with, with what, you know, your ability to pay attention and listen and then apply. I mean, seriously, you, you're really cool <laughs> for, I, just, I don't have any other things. Well, uh, like, um, I'm just, I'm really nervous right now talking to you because like you are, you know, I always say this word, but you're killing it. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's, it's really easy for me to just kind of put my head down and forget about the rest of the world and just focus on what I'm doing right now. And so it's, I really appreciate the, the kind words. Cause it's, it's, it's easy for me to forget that I have an impact on people that I might not even know. Um, but if I can have an impact on people that I don't know across the world, then that means I guess I'm doing something right. So. Definitely. Well, I mean, so far I've learned a lot from you because you know, you you're playing the long game, you understand people, and it's not like this isn't the this is the first time I've ever heard it, but you you're reminding me like this is this is what it takes, you know, for to be able to to achieve your goals and your dreams. And and I really appreciate you sharing all your stories with me today. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's taken a lot of hard work. I mean, people forget they it's easy to see all the posts that we do on online and, and see all the fun things that we do in all the places we get to go and, and experience. But people also forget that those are very, very few snapshots in the grand scheme and, you know, day to day, 
I go in and I, I put in the work and I do the grind just like everybody else does. And, you know, I, I work side by side in very hot environments and I put in the work just like everybody else does. And, you know, my day to day is still pretty hard, just like everybody else. And, you know, I'm not sitting in an office somewhere and just delegating out the work. Um, so yeah, it, it's taken me 15 years to get to where I am now. It's not like it happened overnight. So it's a, but it's been fun. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's been one hell of a roller coaster. That's for sure. <laughs> Clearly. And I, I see, you know, like a super bright future, um, ahead for you and keep it going. Um, any words of advice that you may not have been able to spill out earlier? Anything that you want to leave the audience with? Um, I mean, in terms of advice, it's all just give it all a shot. I'm playing around with new flowers right now. I'm just, just ordering things and then testing out recipes and seeing how it works and what works and what doesn't. Um, I would say write things down, <laughs> write, write things down. Um, so that way the next time you do it, you, you have some sort of a reference that's helped me because I've, I don't remember things that I've done. Even some of the recipes that I won awards with, I can't remember anymore. Um, <laughs> and I wish I had written them down. Um, yeah, <laughs> but honestly, I'm all, anyone has questions, I'm all for it. Anyone just wants to chat. I'm all for it. You know, I'm, I'm in a pretty open book. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I appreciate all of your time today and, and sharing your stories. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. Laura, thank you so, so, so much for giving us all those great insights from what you learned over the years. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm super excited for the path you have to come and super proud of all that you've accomplished so far. So keep it up to you, the listener. What'd you think? Amazing episode, right? Make sure to find Laura on Instagram. Her, her IG handles will be listed on the show description and on the Instagram post if you want to find it quickly. And thank you so much for just listening through and continuing to support the show. You're amazing. I really don't have much to say, but just remember, leave a rating, leave me a comment. Love to hear from y'all. Till next time, have a great day. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. Peace.